All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to Make It Plain, Wayne, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and uh, this is Elevated Friendship. So I want to get into a topic, interracial relationships. And I think I, one of the main reasons why I wanted to get into this topic, because I'm in one, <laughs> and uh, I don't really think you can appreciate something until you've been in it. And, um, you know, in, in the same way, I would never try to tell a woman, you know, what it's like to be pregnant or, you know, what, you know, is happening when you're pregnant, um, how it feels to go back uh, to work your first day, you know, after maternity leave. Like, I don't know those feelings. I don't know that. I've never been an Asian man. I've never been a white man. I've never been uh, uh, over six feet tall. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've never spoken seven languages. I mean, I like to try. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm working on my second one. But I think it's good to speak on what you are. More importantly, I think it's important to have an open mind and continue to learn. I think once you say that you have it all and you know it all, I feel like your mind becomes a closed box. Now, sure, we're going to stick to our, you know, morals and our values that we feel are most important and how we feel. But I feel like it's good to be an open box and and learn and, and kind of share not just your journey, but also partake in what other people are are learning and looking at, too. So let's get on with it. Uh, first, let me just cut this in half. Let me samurai sword cut this in half. Let me throw a Shaka Zulu spear at this uh, term that we call race really quick. So you can look at Bill Nye and uh, uh, the gentleman's name. I can't remember his name, but world renowned scientist. Um, You can look at from a scientific perspective a race of people is exactly who's going to listen to this message, regardless of what shade or genetic marker they have to represent their skin tone, their eye color, their hair length, the curve or straightness of their hair and, and where they came from. There's only one race of people. As a species, we are people. We are humanoid. So... There are different species of, like, say, birds, different species of, you know, mammal, you know, types, different species of, you know, say, insects. One has six legs. The other has eight. There's different species of things. But us as human beings, we communicate with one another. We talk to one another. There's only one race. And If that right there doesn't mature you up a little bit and kind of make you understand where I'm going with this whole message, I don't know what will. (laughs) I mean, I've seen whole families that have, you know, kids where there's only one redhead or whole families where, you know, there's say if, if it's a white family. You know, everybody has blonde hair, blue eyes, and one has dark hair (laughs) or everybody has dark hair, but one has freckles. You know, it's. There's all these random things that happen in our uh, genetic makeup, our DNA, that should be celebrated, not uh, uh, cast down. Um, so number one, race uh, is all people. 
Now, if you see somebody walk around with a tail with, you know, four arms instead of two or, you know, they have a, a, a third eye literally growing out of their forehead or, you know, whatever. If you start seeing stuff that clearly is not what we would call normal because everybody bleeds, everybody has two arms, everybody has two legs, two eyes, two nostrils, lungs. I mean, you know what I'm getting at? Not everybody, but you know what I mean when I say everybody in general. If you start seeing people with more stuff than that and they start looking like, you know, people from a Star Wars movie or, or an X-Men movie. Now, that is a different species. Now that makes sense. That is a different race of people where they can do something with their mind and their body specifically different that I cannot do. So you turn off all the lights and if all of us can read or, you know, I don't mean read, but if you turn off all the lights and we're all the same, we all have hands, we all have legs, that's not a different race of people. We're just different shades. And for some odd reason, we understand this when we're looking at birds, when we're looking at uh, frogs, when we're looking at different, you know, dogs, we appreciate each breed. We appreciate each, uh, uh, you know, genetic marker that makes them different and wonderful. But then as people, we, you know, have a rating scale. <laughs> it's like, a, oh, you're going up in value, you're going down in value. Um, so, yeah, race is one thing. Um, one thing that I think is very common in interracial relationships, be it black or white, um, you know, different tongue. I've seen this with Mexican and Puerto Rican or Mexican and Cuban, um, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Spain, people coming from Spain that speak Spanish versus people, you know, that are Mexican. Um, interracial and the combination of two different villages, two different backgrounds. Like I'm even watching Game of Thrones right now and it's, I'm like losing my mind for what they call, you know, interracial. <laughs> you cannot mate with, you know, the House of Lannister, they're outcasts. You know, th th there's all this talk of what you can and can't do because of what we've known about people. And you look at the purity of a thing and, you know, some would say, well, you can't date this person. You know, you you can't marry this person. What about the purity of, of our blackness? Or you can't, you, you know, the other side, you, you, you can never. That's blasphemy. You can't mate and date, and, you know be with a black man or a black woman what about the purity of white people you know the purity the purity we we really think that because of the shade that we're looking at that there's purity in it and for me this is for me looking at genetics looking at history purity is where we've put way too much pride um, I, I really believe that uh, we haven't been to the end of our galaxy yet as a group, as people. It's not a normal thing. So when, when I hear things like purity and preserve and it, it just makes me wonder, well, what? Like, we're, we're still on this planet. We're still on this rock. Like, what, what kind of purity do you want? Like, we still have all these cancers and diseases worldwide. Like, we're 
when have we been pure? We, we've been anything but pure as we continue to disgrace one another, even our own villages, our own families. Like I said, I'm watching Game of Thrones now, and I mean, I've seen one black person in two seasons. <laughs> I'm on the second season, so don't spoil it for me. But in almost every what we call race, I have seen so much impurity. And, and please check me if I'm wrong, but where have you found the purity? Where have you found the perfection? And when we can find great things in our villages, great things in our tribes and great things in the, you know, things that that we cherish the most. They're great in that moment. And I think that's what makes us beautiful is recognizing the greatness in that moment. But when we put up a banner of perfection and purity as if, well, now they got it. This one village, this one shade, this one color, this eye color, this, you know, whatever it is you think makes it pure. Once you, I think, close and, and lock the box on that, that is pure. That is perfect. That is whole. Well, if that was the point, why would we all be here? If, if boom, stamp, if that's what we were supposed to be, then how do we become copies of copies of copies? Because no one is the original. The original monkey, the original fish, the original Adam, the original Eve, whatever you deem as the perfection or the beginning, we're all just copies of copies of copies. So <laughs> that whole purity talk, no, like no. And that's for me, it's really hard because if you really study science, you really study history, go ahead and say that someone is perfect. Go ahead and say that something or someone is perfect. Don't let me find one argument. <laughs> Don't let me find one slip, one fall, one accident. Don't let me find one, uh, you know, case of cancer, outbreak, itchiness, <laughs> skin rash. Don't let me find one thing wrong, because in that one thing wrong, our humility, our humanity, you and I both know that is the truth. Our imperfections is the truth. And because of that, we learn, we grow, we groom ourselves to do better. And if you don't know what's wrong, you could never know what's right. And I feel like that's one of the beautiful things in our humanity is we, we go on and, and learn beautiful things. We learn great things by recognizing that we didn't have it perfected in the past. So maybe, you know, what we eat isn't the best compared to, you know, what our grandfathers and grandparents ate, you know, grandmothers ate. I mean, I guarantee that the fruit looked better, was juicier, was sweeter, was larger. The watermelon was, you could probably bathe in it. The oranges probably were the, you know, almost the size of cantaloupes. I mean, I've, I've seen pictures of stuff like this and it's, it's like, wow, you know, you go back a little bit in time and you don't have these pesticides and all this junk. And, you know, and, and I feel like, honestly, we we've created a lot of the reason for the pesticides and the sprays and the GMO and all that, you know, we created the problem that we had to spray for, but, you know, purity, 
Um, Nothing could be farther from the truth when it comes to a human being. If we live and if we die, that is not perfection. No one is eternal. No one is perfect. And go ahead and say that we were supposed to be. We were supposed to be perfect. We were supposed to be eternal. We were supposed to levitate and just fly off into the clouds instead of a death. Okay, we were supposed to do those things. But we're not. And no one that I've, I've never seen or haven't, I don't believe I'll see, anyone, instead of a funeral, hey, everybody, it's my time to go. I'm going to evaporate into the clouds now. It's been real. It's been good. And I throw up a peace sign and just, just turn into a pillow of clouds and go into the forever like a you know Jedi or something. <laughs> I haven't seen it. So this purity, uh-uh, uh-uh. And to me, I feel like, once again, that's where we encase our mind in this steel box where if you actually really believe that anyone was pure or any village or any group or any shade was pure at some point, I think it really removes your ability to take advantage of the future and take advantage of what we have out here as far as learning. Because, I mean, the way our planet's going, it really makes more sense to understand the lack of purity, the lack of perfection, so that maybe one day we can have it. But the way, you know, the way I came up might explain why I'm a little bit more gentle, a little bit more soft when it comes to embracing everyone as a culture. So Being a little bit older, it's different for me now. It 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 is a little bit harder because as you know, as a black man, if you keep your ears open, and like I said, I study history, I study science, I study chemistry, you really see this world. And when you really see it and you really understand it, I mean, it'll do two things. A it will amaze you. You're like, wow. But B, it will terrify you to just see what people have done with their time. It's terrifying. And, and in times where we've been singing or protesting, we should have been studying. We should have been learning. Instead of maybe sitting inside the house that was burning down, maybe we should have moved. Maybe we should have traveled. So, and I'll get to that later, but how I came up, um, anybody knows and understands my parents, um, my parents know everybody. (laughs) They just start talking and, oh yeah, you know, such and such from over here, over there. And, you know, having a pastor, a dad that's a pastor, you know, in the Methodist church and a pastor for, you know, almost 45 years now. And I mean, He's made his mark everywhere he's been, and people love him. They really cherish him, his energy, his uplifting messages, um, because he, he doesn't just see them as God's people. He sees them as an extended family, and and he preaches, you know, the health and wealth and anything that you can get out of the kingdom of God. 
<laughs> my mom, on the other hand, a singer, a dancer, an actress, a beautiful woman, an inspiring woman, a loving and a kind woman. So <laughs> being their child meant you got all of that. I never had a dull moment and I've honestly never been bored ever in my life. And I thank my parents for that. You know, you have a mom that's a Delta Sigma Theta, a dad that's a Q, a mom that is as talented as my mom is, and a dad that is out in the community at the boys towns, the the homes for boys and, and getting the kids off the street and, you know, regularly bouncing in between hood, ghetto, church, suburbs. He's regularly in all three of these communities in, in, in one week. So for me, I didn't get to sit and really judge anybody. It was a lot more beneficial for me to actually sit and learn them. I had to actually sit with them and know that they hated me or know that they didn't like me to actually say, you know what? This person doesn't like me. This person is dumb. This person is an idiot or this person is having a bad day. Rarely did I run into a a case where I would say, man, this person is racist. So the way I was raised, every Sunday I was in a church, either, you know, right by the projects in the hood or (laughs) right by the place where someone was getting shot. In black culture, (laughs) I spend every Sunday in black culture and the rest of the week. I'm in the home that my parents you know, moved us to in the suburbs. And so uh, very similar to Dave Chappelle's uh, uh, life, when you're one of the only black families that live in the suburbs, you really get to see financially wh- how everybody's set up. And we didn't come from money. <laughs> you know, with my family, you know, their, their riches were in the kingdom of God. So, you know, that that blessing that my parents gave me will forever be uh, uh, just enormous and just magnetic for me. But when you run into people that have more money than you and it starts to happen a lot, you're like, man, <laughs> I'm thankful to be out here. But all these people got more money than me. I'm wearing, you know, shoes from Payless that, that had this hard rubber and they're wearing, you know, Harachis and Jordans and you know, all these nice Nikes and I'm, I'm looking up at my parents like, you know, maybe I can get some of this. They're like, well, maybe you can't. <laughs> Do you want to eat this week? <laughs> and I wasn't that, you know, snot nose, you know, uh, uh, spoiled kid with my parents because when they could give, they gave, you know, and I didn't realize until, uh, yeah, it was just like maybe, maybe I was 13 or 14, maybe even 15, that we didn't have steak because steak just cost too much money. I mean, you get some chicken wings, you get some chicken, we had ham or some fish and you can spread it out. You can budget it a a little bit better. So, you know, with my family, being in both black and white circles, black and white culture, black and white people weekly, We were forced to form an opinion for ourselves. So, yeah, of course, we could look at the stereotypes that white people were saying about black people and think about it. But we could also look at the stereotypes that black people were saying about white people. And we also have to think about it. 
And we have to go understand why. So sitting down as an adult and explaining to, you know, say someone that says, well, they're all trash. If they're all in the hood, that's probably for a reason. If they're on Section A, you know, it's probably for a reason. Now I can have those conversations where I can explain and I understand why someone is where they are. And then on the flip side, when someone is saying that, you know, you know, these people are entitled. They've never had to work a day in their life. They've had trust funds and this blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, some of them, yes. But, you know, white privilege <laughs> is a privilege that some white people don't even know they have. How is that? It's like, wow, you know, how is that? How do white people not know that they have white privilege? And how do they go get it back? How do they go redeem it <laughs> if they feel like they've lost it? Which is another topic, you know, white privilege. So it's really, you know, grounding, really humbling to know that on both sides, you have black people and white people that don't understand the stereotype being put on them. You know, they're like, white privilege, what? I got a privilege? Or black people are walking around, eating, sleeping, working. And they're the menace to society. They're evil. They're non-compliant. So it's it's really strange. I, I grew up in a world where I was exactly who you would find in between Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Carlton. <laughs> I'm exactly in between them. You have Fresh Prince on one side, you have Carlton. I'm right in the middle. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until watching this show repeatedly in my life, just repeatedly. I'm like, well, I'm definitely not Fresh Prince because, you know, I didn't get kicked out of Philly. I wasn't, you know, trying to swing on, you know, a gag banger or whatever at the basketball court. And my parents definitely aren't Carlton Judge, you know, uh, uh, Judge Banks and and um, and the first, you know, Mama Banks. You know, they definitely aren't that. But, you know, how I came up, I was just taught to appreciate things, really appreciate things and learn them. And, um, you know, in black culture, I think the funny thing is the shade uh, a lot of time equates with goodness. So the lighter shade equates more goodness. The darker shade equates more venom, more evil, more problems. And, you know, with my parents, I didn't I didn't get that opportunity. They weren't going to do the Willie Lynch, darker slave, lighter slave, you know, in our house. When I saw a dark skinned black woman that was beautiful, I would take a knee and bow to her (laughs) because she was beautiful. I knew that there were Kelly Kapowski's at Saved by the Bell. I knew there were Jesse Spano's on Saved by the Bell. I definitely knew there was a Lisa Turtle on Saved by the Bell. I knew there was an Ashley Banks. I knew there was a Hillary Banks. I definitely knew who was on TV that was black. And I definitely knew who was on TV and movies that was white. These beautiful white women. But for me, there was never a more beautiful than... So why am I telling you this? It's like, well, why does it matter? 
Well, to me, I, I think it should. Um, being in an interracial relationship, I think the the quick go to can be, well, if you cherish that and if you love that all that time, why didn't you marry a black woman? You know, how, how, how didn't that happen? And we'll get to that. But for me, I was raised to appreciate all shades of beauty. It was even even a black couple that I met. I modeled my marriage after, you know, after, you know, going through a couple hardships in life and trying to clean my life up and be marriage ready. It was actually a black couple that I uh, I modeled my marriage after Um, because, yeah, Bill Cosby and and, uh, Claire, uh, Claire Huxtable. Uh, and that was a treasure. They were really a treasure. I, I really do mimic some of their style from the TV show. Obviously not in real life, <laughs> but the Huxtables on the Cosby show, like I really did love that. And I wanted to be that guy that would dance and make the funny faces with, you know, my wife at the end of the day, you know, with my Claire Huxtable, I definitely wanted my Claire Huxtable. I have her, <laughs> but uh, she does not look like Claire Huxtable. <laughs> but I definitely encourage you to find yours. Um, but yeah, dark skinned black women, redheads. <laughs> so anybody that was beautiful, I knew that they were beautiful and I admired the beauty that they had. But the one thing I couldn't do was just say, Oh, they're not as pretty as blonde. They're not as pretty as the brunette. So <clears throat> the what we saw in Saved by the Bell, I think, was a treasure, a, a true treasure, because in our pop culture where they're lifting up Kelly Kapowski and Jesse Spano, you also have Lisa Turtle. That was my mindset everywhere I went, because even though I would spend a lot of time in you know circles that were more white, for me, the Saved by the Bell cast was what I constantly kept in my mind. So there was a beautiful black woman at all times in my mind. So you get to about, I want to say junior, uh, not, not junior, yeah, maybe junior high. I think that's a a fair assessment. Everybody has, you know, in their mind who they think is attractive, who they think is, you know, that one. (laughs) I think at at a young age, it's kind of cute. You're just like, oh, my God, if I ever got with this person, I've ever got with that person. You know, they would just make my day. They're they're the woman or the, the man of my dreams, you know, whoever they are. Well, for me, I never had the girls are gross kind of phase. So I've always had a more mature look toward women. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not joking. I would literally see a woman as a kid and just say, man, she's beautiful. It could be my mom's friends. It could be a woman on TV. And I'd be like, man, she is gorgeous. She is beautiful. I never backed away from women. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Like insane, because if I'm sure if I would have been, you know, one of the, the guys from the Game of Thrones times or in these, you know, villages of olden times, I probably would have had like 30 kids by now. But you get to that time period and 
when you're in junior high, a lot happens. I mean, your body's changing. You're going through these, you know, crazy things. And, and for me, I had just left from, you know, the suburbs and now went to a school that was more mixed and had a lot more, you know, black kids. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> Like my eyes almost fell out of my head the first, you know, day of junior high because I'm seeing girls and women's bodies that are just like I hadn't seen that and I hadn't seen anything like those kind of curves where I was in school because fast forward from, you know, sixth grade to junior high, all these girls are developing and you just have all these curves. Now, this is somebody's daughter. So, you know, of course, I'm going to be respectful of course, I'm going to be, you know, kind. But the one, the one thing that you cannot predict is how you'll feel once you get around as a young man, these ladies, and as a young lady, these young men. There's a jar full of estrogen and testosterone, hormones, and mating cues, invisible scent, attacking, hunting, receiving, and mating call that go out from our bodies repeatedly from about this time that we come of age, start going through puberty. And so I think like, it's like seventies or our eighties when some of that finally dies out, men start to you know get a little bit more estrogen and women start to get a little bit more testosterone. And some of y'all, I, I, cause I know the truth. Some of you old men and old women haven't skipped a beat. I know some of you all are out there still doing everything I think I should be doing at half and, and a quarter of your age, <laughs> which I say, you know, keep keep up the good work. I'm, I'm glad you had that romance. But I had a, a, a girl that I was dating at the time tell me in high school, don't you go off to college and get with the and, and run off with some white girl. At the time, I was completely confused as to why she would say that, because in high school, you know, for me, I was only talking to black black girls. I was only dating black girls. And the girl who was saying this to me was a beautiful, dark, chocolate, Nubian princess. She was beautiful. So I'm looking at her thinking like, what? And, you know, in her maturity, I think she understood that because of who I am and how I am, if I'm going to go off to college, which a lot of us do, you don't always have the opportunity to be surrounded in the same uh, environment you are where you can date and look through and, and, and go through the trial and error of dating in, in a black community. It's not going to happen when you're in the college environment, because as an athlete, um, your football and basketball and track athletes are pretty much it in a lot of schools nationwide. Unless they have a, a large enough enrollment or they're in, you know, a, a great you know, part of the country <laughs> that isn't in the Midwest, <laughs> you, you just don't see that kind of diversity in all colleges. But it does happen a lot. You you see a lot of gentlemen will go off and run off uh, to college and, you know, start dating outside of the shade that they have been. And I won't say race, but start dating outside of their, uh, you know, 
outside of their village. <laughs> but, you know, before you get to that, you've got these stereotypes that, you know, you have to embrace. And so I think the number one, the most negative stereotype when it comes to black women in interracial dating is black women have to deal with this title, this this almost title belt that they didn't give themselves ever where they are loud, they are negative, they are constantly searching after the wrong man and then repentedly or re- retroactively wanting to now, you know, date and marry and love a good man after always spending this time with a negative man. You know, and this stereotype that the black woman is what's wrong with the community couldn't be further from the truth. That the black woman is loud, the black woman is a whore, the black woman just wants to, you know, father and raise uh, uh, multiple, you know, kids from multiple dads. Like, that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, why, why am I saying this, even though some of you are saying, no, that is the truth, Wayne, like I have seen this happen. It's because you haven't taken the time to sit down and know them and learn them. When this happens to one of your friends or somebody you care about, somebody that you love and you know their situation, it's so much harder to just throw that judgment and cast it out. Even when it is black men and black women saying this about, about black women, it gets so much harder to judge when this is your friend, this is your family member, this is somebody you care about and you know their scenario, especially when you see someone that is white go through the exact same thing. And when you look at color, look at it and then take away the color and look at the circumstances. And then you see two young ladies go through the exact same scenario. Sometimes it's rape. What if it was dating? I mean, you take this young black female that's at a party. She really likes this boy. White female. She's at a party. She really likes this boy. She's 16. Well, when the, you know, black young lady gets pregnant, she is the lowest end of society. When the, you know, white young female gets pregnant, they move her away. If they can, they move her away. And she goes to a place where no one can see her for those, you know, eight, nine months getting pregnant. And from to my knowledge, what, what I've seen happen is that child ends up, you know, being adopted. I've actually lived in a community where um, the girl that had had the child was actually uh, <laughs> a girl... A girl had a daughter, and this girl and her daughter were adopted by parents that were raising them both. And <laughs> this this girl's daughter never knew that this was really her mom. It was just that she had had her so young that they could still kind of pass as sisters because there was like a you know fifteen year old fifteen year age gap. So it happens different in different societies. But that one, that's it's like the worst one, you know, in stereotypes and dating where, you know, the black woman just holds the title as the worst. And for, you know, white men that want to date, you know, black women, I mean, they really face a lot. You know, they really face a lot in dating a black woman because the stereotype of, you know, the black male genitalia, our sexual (laughs) 
our sexual tools and prowess in the bedroom, they're constantly picked on because of that. Now, if there are white men out there that have the meat <laughs> and they have the pipes, great. Like, but like, there's more to life than just that. If you want to love a woman and care after a woman, and I've, I've seen this, you know, you need to come on over here, get, get some real, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, would you want somebody doing that to your, you know, missus or whatever, because they could pick apart certain things on you? You need to get with a man that's got more money. You need to get with a man that can cook. You need to get with a man that, that that's actually an athlete. You need to get with a man that's got a better credit score. You know, like, do we really want to pick people apart like that? So, yes, stereotypes do, you know, come to haunt us. They do come to hurt us. Um, but yeah, the black woman has that title. Um, the white woman, on the other hand, um, now, this is not fair. <laughs> this is not fair to the white woman as well. But the white woman has this belt, this, this invisible belt that she owns and runs anything and everything sexual. And it's because of that in Hollywood. I've seen this as a white woman. If you are, I think it's like 37, I think Jennifer Aniston Angelina Jolie, Uma Thurman, basically all the women I grew up watching in action films in Hollywood that were like big stars. They even said this. Once you hit a certain age, that beautiful array of, of white love and white appreciation is that beautiful white woman in Hollywood that everybody will sexualize and love. It's gone at 37. Now you're a cougar and we don't have a market for that. <laughs> Maybe in the dating world we do the, the MILF title, <laughs> but in the interracial dating world, everyone just assumes, oh, if you're dating a white woman, it's got to be because of the sex. Not a brain, not a heart, not values, not emotions. It, it's got to be because of the sex. She She's doing something that a black woman wouldn't. Well, then what's a black woman doing to get a white man? <laughs> and, like, and we assume a lot of stereotypes. We assume that when this black man, I'm sorry, this white man gets with this black woman. Oh, it's because he, he was probably raised with a bunch of, you know, black guys. He's probably really hood, really thugged out, you know, Post Malone, Vanilla Ice, you know, <laughs> Eminem. But no, like. I'm telling you all, I have seen this world. I have seen the horrible stuff that some of you all say, you know, and even worse than that. I've also seen the really good stuff. I've seen couples, interracial couples, where both of them are just absolute cookies. You got a black woman and a white man. They're both watching Game of Thrones, playing video games. They don't want none of the negative stereotype. They don't, they don't want none of that. So other parts of that, those stereotypes, how people grow up is how they grow up. Plain and simple. If you grow up in Florida, you will sound like Florida. If you grow up in Chicago, you will sound like Chicago, which is like kind of funny because they sound like they're from the South. If you grow up in New York, you will sound like a New Yorker. 
So what is the crime in sounding like where you're from? Now, black black people in New York, black people in the South do sound like they are from there, but they do sound different. Now, to say that I am less of a black man because I sound more white. okay. So, so are you less of a black man because you're wearing Nike's a white man's corporation because you're wearing these blue jeans that our, our ancestors worked on plantations to build as, as a company and a corporation with this cotton? Are you less of a black man because you live in a street named by a white man? Are you less of a black man because you live in projects and a zip code and <laughs> drink the water by a white company, by white men, by a white legislature, a white city council? Are, are you less of a black man because your zip code and social security number was made up and thought of because of a, a white man? Come on now. So these stereotypes that we throw on to each other, that it's got to be something negative because you don't come from my box. It's got to be negative because you, you aren't doing what I think you should do with your life without even having a conversation with that person. No conversation. You would rather hold a barrel of things that you think keep you separate than learn the things that actually bond you together. And that's, that's what's actually funny about me. Immediately when I go into a community, knowing that I sound different or talk different than all the white people there and all the black people there, I immediately look for maturity. It's the first thing I look for is maturity. If I don't see that, and I see they just want to see me as, you know, whatever their stereotypes are, I proceed very slowly, very slowly. Because a lot of these walls and stereotypes that we've created, that we've built, um, they don't do anything. They don't really help. They don't grow food. They don't help money, economy. It actually hurts everyone. And I don't have enough time to explain how it hurts everyone, but it actually hurts everyone. A lot of these stereotypes. You can say, well, Wayne, like, these stereotypes aren't aren't hurting white people because they, you know, they have all the money. They have the roads, the streets. It hurts everyone. A lot of these stereotypes a lot of times are in within that village. They hurt everyone. So it, it's really funny because these stereotypes actually do so much bad. And if you're like me, I grew up watching a lot of movies. I watched The Breakfast Club. I watched uh, uh, <laughs> Animal House. I watched The Saved by the Bells. I watched, you know, all these movies with all these white casts. Uh, mean Girls, uh, Nerds. Um, God. I mean, even The Matrix. I mean, there's so many stereotypes that exist within a village of people that are bad. Before you even get out and see someone that's a different shade, different color, smells different, eats different food, Praise, praise a different way. So 
the negatives. The, ne- the negatives have done nothing for us. The negatives separate us. And I mean, especially if you are of a community and you are a minority where you have that negative. For me, not even talking interracial relationships, we should be doing anything and everything we can to bond and be closer with one another, removing all lines so that everything that we do is to promote our greatness. Like, what does it really matter where you grew up? What does it really matter if what, what color you wear? As, as a clothing, as a gang, as a group, what does it really matter when you're still the bottom? Like, if, if you're still the stereotypical bottom, if you're still financially the bottom, uh, morality rates, living the bottom, health-wise, diabetes, cancer, sickle cell, the bottom, is it really a good idea to still cut each other up and you're just a body laying on the, the table at the morgue, all split up, all jumbled. You're not even together as a body. So <laughs> stereotypes, bad for the black community, bad for the white community, bad in Mexican, Middle Eastern. Oh, man. And that's an area where, I mean, we know because of the dress, because of the garb, of you know most of the communities that have a strong muslim background we know that they are very intense very radical in their thinking um, what we don't know is that there are very good people there i mean what is a nun what is a priest if not the same thing as these people that we call terrorists i mean you have these women walking around in full full garb all you can see is their eyes that's the same thing as a nun Now, I do understand holding a plane hostage with box cutters, that's not equivalent to a priest. But what we're seeing in these news stories, that's not exactly good. We got some cleaning up to do. So that's like the pot calling the kettle black, you know. But these stereotypes, they exist worldwide, worldwide. While you're listening to me thinking about who you need to stay away from. I mean, there's Chinese, Japanese. I mean, their cultures are still kind of at a wall. North Korea, South Korea. If you come outside of your box for just a second and you see what this world really is, it makes you feel so dumb. And I don't mean to say you are dumb, but when you step out and look at the world as a whole, and you, you look at what you've been thinking about these people on, in this county, in this state, in this country, and you look at what the world is doing as a whole, you don't know poor. We have Flint, Michigan, and we have projects. We have rednecks. We, yeah. But, like, some people can change that. As far as I know, I don't know if they really have the, the hip-hop culture that, that we have in other countries. That's something I'll have to do a little bit more research on. But, I mean, there are some countries where their caste system, if you're poor, you're always going to be poor. There is no coming up for you. There is no rap. There's no investment. There's no first time going to college, first-generation college student. So it, it gets really strange when you really look at the world and how they move money, how they function, what they do, and, and, and how they you know, handle one another. 
but you also got to wonder how are these marriages going to be? How are these relationships going to be when the cultures are so different and the background is so different where you come from? Are you going to be okay? You know, so if I come from a black family where I was just raised by my mom, I didn't see a marriage growing up. And, you know, if I have a white wife and she's got a mom and a stepdad or a dad and a stepmom, well, she's seen marriage. She knows kind of how it works a little bit. What happens to me in that mix? Do I know what it takes or how it's going to be in a marriage? You know, how, how are we set up to function in the future based on what people have said about us, based on the stereotypes? And I mean, the sad thing is a lot of people just stay with what they know. I think that's a scary thing. What I've seen has been very helpful is when people actually go out and look at what is successful as far as a marriage. A marriage and a business are one and the same because you only get what you've been working on. And there's no gimmies like there's no (laughs) free downloads in marriages. So even in an interracial marriage, interracial relationship, you're still just a man and a woman like people forget that you don't get any kind of magic award just because, you know, we're both Hutu. We're both Tutsi. (laughs) We're both from Togo. We're both from Ghana. You don't get any magic award. This is why if you look in the Quran, if you look in the Bible, you look in the Torah, there are stories and scriptures and advice for husbands, for wives. Nobody gets out of this thing free. Just because you're blonde hair, blue eyed doesn't mean you marry blonde hair, blue eyed and it's perfect. The divorce courts are proof of that. (laughs) So. You know, interracial marriages are no different than any other marriage. And like I said, those strengths that everybody sees as stereotypes actually come back as weaknesses later on in the marriage. All those things that you said would be great or would be bad can be flipped the other way. So a lot of people love to, you know, say how, you know, venomous and poisonous a black woman could be. What if? With the right conversation and the right environment and the right mindset, y'all can work for each other instead of against each other. And then with what the white woman has been thrown, what if instead of constantly carrying that weight of being the uh, sexual being that she is, you guys actually get something done in life and not put everything on that. Come on now. So those stereotypes can be flipped around. If it's a bad one, it can be flipped around for good. But if it's if a stereotype that's so out of this world that can't be reached, you can flip it and learn. Because I I didn't know that I was going to kill somebody today. I didn't know that I was the menace of society today. I didn't know that I was an Omaha man, a thug, you know. I didn't know all that today. So all these stereotypes that I probably have on me right now, just because somebody was afraid when they clutched their purse, when I walked into an elevator, I didn't know I was all that today. I didn't know I scared you. 
I didn't know that. But put the shoe on the other foot. What if you carried all the stereotype that you hated? What if you automatically had that on your head? And like, what's hard for me is watching uh, a series like 13 Reasons Why, where these kids, mostly white, in the neighborhood that you want to live in, the homes that you want to live in, I'm like, man, these are like really good kids. And I kind of grew up with some of that. Stereotypes, nerds, sluts, druggies. And like, you don't understand these kids are mean because we as parents, we're mean. We're the punk parents. Where we haven't figured out that the way our parents raised us was the best that they had. So we can't stay in our feelings and emotions and take out what they were doing on our kids. We have to learn better. We should want each generation to be better. And when you have, you know, parents that put that in you, it it's one of the greatest things in the world. But these stereotypes a lot of times are in village as well. They're within our village. So when we go look out, it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. And it's because you've been spreading that venom in your village for so long that you don't even know how to accept the next one. So, yeah, stereotypes. (laughs) So children and raising them. So how do you raise your kids? Are you going to raise them with white standards or black standards? I think that's where we go wrong. Um. If you can't see the value in all the crayons in in, in the crayon box, an interracial relationship, a mixed child, let alone being the CEO of a company might not be for you. (laughs) You might struggle with your executive board. Being able to look at all the crayons in the crayon box and see the beauty that you can create, the amazing detail that you can have with a thing. Being able to do that is one of the greatest things in the world. There are things that you're going to have to teach your children that were resilient and great in black culture, Mexican culture, Asian culture, Irish culture, German culture, Mayan culture, Native American culture. You can tell them the other side and explain why. Now, how you choose to to give a perspective or (laughs) demonize somebody, to me, that's not really smart. You can explain what's right and what's wrong. But to demonize someone is exactly the opposite of what you did for that interracial relationship. Because for me, an interracial relationship is the fast forward button of, I'm going to use the term race, racial harmony, because we all are one race. (laughs) But it is automatically the fast forward button. It really is. Now, haters are going to stare. They really are. A, a, a black woman wasn't good enough for you? Come on, bruh. You know, you know how it is out here. 
You know what they're doing to us out here. But they love they love the children. And I mean, same thing. If you have a white wife or a white husband and you're you're a black woman, you couldn't just wasn't wasn't Billy available? You couldn't just, you know. You couldn't have waited a little bit. You couldn't have, you know. <laughs> talk to Ricky. I know he's been on his dad's farm a lot, but you I mean if you really like chocolate, I guess. <laughs> you like chocolate milk, chocolate ice cream, you just have to have a chocolate man, I guess. I mean it happens. It happens behind closed doors, sometimes to people's faces. You know, I, I've been gracious enough to, you know, be welcomed in by a family that's had nothing but open arms, but I understand that there is certainly and always the possibility that they were saying all the stereotypes that I've probably been working all my life to not be, you know, unknowingly. But, you know, for me and my experience, I just love people. I just started dating where I was at. It had nothing to do with a revolt. I wasn't mad at any black woman. I wasn't angry at any black woman. If anything, I still really, really wanted to date a black woman while I was in school. It didn't really happen a lot when you're in small town, mid Midwest USA. <laughs> so be, being in the Midwest, when you're in a small town, you know, a lot of my friends are in interracial relationships. It happens. One thing I won't do is I won't say that, oh, you know, all, all the black women, they just... They dogged me out. They hurt me. It, no, that wasn't really it. That's going to happen regardless of what you are. I listen to people. People get hurt by people regardless, regardless of whatever shade or complexion they are. I know plenty of white women that hate their ex-white, uh, ex-white husbands. Plenty of white men ex, you know, hate their exes. Black women that hate their exes. Black Husbands hate their exes. I know. I know. I've seen it. Y'all can't play. Don't play with me. <laughs> I know the cheating. I know the scandals. I know the divorces. I know you want half. I know. I know. I've seen it all. When you're built the way I'm built, you keep listening. Now I do have to learn how to hit the mute button and turn some of that off because it is a lot. Learning the truth. I mean, the real truth. It does carry a lot of sorrow. With great wisdom comes great sorrow. Come on now. So, as for me and my journey, it was purely love. Um, you're never gonna say. You're never gonna hear me say anything about better or worse or, because I know you really have to live this thing. You really have to live life, and no one is exempt from life's troubles and life's problems. So. Interracial relationships. I'm just gonna call them what they are, relationships. If you want to jump villages and change villages, that's that's completely up to you. Now, someone out for blood and out to do you wrong, that's that's something completely different. So if if someone really meant you harm and marrying into that family meant your death, you don't need to do that. This isn't Romeo and Juliet. 
the, the Capulets and the Montagues. <laughs> I love her so much, I'd face the sword, I'd face the king. <laughs> like, we just get so dramatic. It's like, come on, man. All y'all want to do is screw. Y'all just want to shake the sheets. <laughs> As the old wise man used to say, y'all just want to shake the sheets. Y'all just want to hit it. That's okay. It's okay to desire people. What's not okay is just to strum up all this trouble just to be with them. That's not okay. And say it's love. That's that's just lust. Because, hey, in about 10, 20 years, with or without kids, I mean, y'all are going to be at each other's throats, ready to kill each other. If you want to build a real relationship and build it off a of real value, you have to study real people. You have to read real books, do some real seminars, do some real counseling. You, you know, if you're if you're heading into your marriage and you're heading in, into that relationship and you guys are thinking about marriage and you have a pastor that cares about you, that will talk to you and walk you through this thing and ask those hard questions like who's going to do the dishes when it's 10 o'clock and both of you guys are tired. When are you going to make time for your romance, even though the both of you may hate each other at that time or don't like each other? Or one of you is tired and all of, one of you always has energy. And the one that always has the energy is the woman. You know, if they're not going to ask those hard questions and put those in front of you, the things that people end up hating. Mm, they don't really care. Find those people that are going to help you build something real. I tell you what, nobody's going to help you build a Fortune 500 company. Nobody's going to help you build a 20, 30, 50 year, 80 year marriage. Nobody's going to help you do that. You got to go find that on your own. You got to go find the advisors that are going to help you. So while most people might see interracial relationships, I don't. I just see society. I see history. I see how we have evolved Really, the truth, the science. This is evolution. You know what I'm talking about? You don't just have a dark black man and woman and a pale white man and woman and the, you know, Native American, Asian, Mexican, Mayan, Mongolian. All that doesn't just come from nowhere. We are connected. <laughs> we are capable of so many beautiful and great things. We're all connected. Regardless of how somebody wants to act at one point in history or branch off into a family, a Germanic root, an Asiatic root, regardless of how they want to act, you can't change the fact that we're that we are connected. I'll leave that to you to, to, to understand how and the when. It's a beautiful journey if you look it up. It does not answer for the wars, the genocide, the slaveries, the villages, the deaths, the wars of the same color. It doesn't answer that. But we owe it to ourselves to do a little bit more research. So, you know, for most people, when they look at interracial dating, race, stereotypes, you know, the children, you know, the purity of, of, a, of a color, I won't say race, the purity of a color, um, 
we're really just not doing our research. We're running off with the information that someone else has said and taking that to the bank and making deposits as if, you know, that's the law. A law that was made by men and enforced by men and women and their children. So what is a law? What is a rule? What is a stereotype? What is all of this stuff? But stuff that someone made up or someone thought at some point and reinforced. There's lines on the road, dotted dashes, lines on the road. There's streets, zip codes. All of this can be learned and researched and studied. And you understand so much more about yourself, so much more about your family, your family tree, and those that you say you really love and those that you say that you really hate. Ooh, uh uh-oh. Maybe we need to stop being so lazy. Laziness profits no one. And this laziness is what impacts and strengthens our immaturity, racism, and ignorance. So it's just time to learn, time to grow. I love you all. I hope you love me back. And uh, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And I'll see you soon.